You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Preston Clark is a mega-talented chef, cookbook author, and son of the legendary chef Patrick Clark, who helped define American cuisine. Today, we hear the tale of his unique journey. Wow, I'm so happy to be here today with Preston Clark. He is the executive chef of Lure Fish Bar in New York and Miami, cookbook author, and the New York Times featured you in an article titled, 16 Black Chefs Changing Food in America. Man, thank you. Thanks, it's uh, great to be here, great to see you, thanks a lot. It's so cool for you to be here, and I'm I'm very happy. Um, You were quoted in an article saying, I wanted to make sure that I was a chef first, and then I was a black chef. Uh, I sure did say that. Explain that a little bit for me, because uh, yeah, that's a yeah. that's a it's a, it's you know I think um, you know you, you start to get, it gets a little in the little you know dangerous waters there, but um, you know I think that a, a lot of times uh, you know sometimes people say you know when they when they introduce you as a black chef. You know, there's a there's a tendency of a certain demographic of people to automatically uh, look at that as a second tier. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's um, amazing to be able to pr- promote black chefs. And uh, there's so many black chefs who are doing so many amazing things who have been doing so many amazing things for so, you know for such a long time. Right. You know, but I do think that uh, there is a there is a demographic of people. That uh, you know, when you're when they hear black chef, you know, it's automatically oh well, you know, those are the black chefs, you know, and it's automatically kind of looked as as a second tier. Or, or you got here because oh right, they or, hired you because right, you're black. Exactly, or you're hired because you're black, mm-hmm. or because you're being promoted because you're black, you know, and 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 you know, I don't want that to take away from the the work that I've done or the work that uh, anyone has done. Right. You know, and right. that's 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 what I mean. Right. That then totally, uh, particularly in today's culture where. We are aiming for diversity, and uh, there is a feeling of you know, people getting into colleges because of right, uh, exactly, you know, which is uh, right. Where like if they're meeting some kind of quota, because right. you know, and then it takes away, you know, it takes away from the work that the person actually, you know, did to get to where they are, mm-hmm. and that's that's where I have a problem with it. You know, I, I very much, I'm very happy that I'm uh, you know able to celebrate that I'm a black chef, that I'm celebrating that I'm a black chef, you know, and uh, the accomplishments of of black chefs, you know, or you know, over the years. Uh, is, is actually tremendous, you know. But I just want to make sure that it doesn't take away from, you know, what, you know, when you're promoted as a black chef, that the, the mindset is that, you know, you're automatically second tier because we're not, uh, and I'm definitely not. And if, uh. if anybody wants to come come test, <laughs> <laughs> we know who you are. Yeah, yeah. If anybody yeah. wants to come test, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I would, you know, I would even argue that, you know, on a certain level, you you have to be better uh, to make sure that you you stand out. I was I was going to say exactly that. So we had uh, I've had uh, Mia Vanderwater, who's Korean American, right. uh, who said exactly that. Her mom said, "Look, this is the real deal. Right. You've got to be smart and work hard." And everybody, hundred percent. I've had uh, Maya from Maya Vino on said the same thing. Right. At any time, 
stuff can be taken away from you and you're going to work harder right. and be smarter. And I think yeah. the same thing applies to exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's really, right. the, I think it's, you know, for, I think for black professionals, it's really the reality uh, across all industries and spectrums, you know, uh, for you to be noticed. Um, you, 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 there's a, you, there's an element where you have to shine mm-hmm. and you have to shine a little bit more than, than the guys next to you. Right. Um, so we have to talk about your father. Absolutely. And, and, and we can talk about your grandfather. Your, yeah. your, your father's uh, Patrick Clark, and he was a uh, celebrated chef. Uh, I think Eric Asimov wrote in the New York Times uh, for his obit. He passed at a very young age when you were young. Uh, uh, 42 years old he died. That's crazy. I was, uh, I was 16. Right. And I've read stories, and I think Asimov wrote about it, that uh, back in the day. So he traveled through France, which for a black man to be in the French kitchens and learning French technique was uh, very unheard of. Very Fra- unheard yeah, of, he right. traveled through France. He traveled through England. You know, one of the uh, you know one of the a great story that I, I love to uh, um, remember is you know hearing about uh, uh, Michel Girard. He worked for Michel Girard, and it's like he's looking for this this kid Patrick Clark, and he's looking for this kid this kid Patrick who's going to be working in his kitchen. And this black kid shows up with the you know with the, with his hat on, you know, and he's from Brooklyn, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like what what is this kid? What is this guy doing in my kitchen? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, very well traveled. You know, spent a lot of time in uh, England. You know, spent a lot of time in the United States. Uh, um, New York born, Brooklyn uh, out, of, mm-hmm. out of Brooklyn Tech, and uh, it's been crushing. It's, uh, crushed, crushed his entire life, and it's been crushing uh, uh, after his death also. But the story that I, I, I can't help but think of is uh, uh, Odeon when it was down in Tribeca and was considered the best. You know, it was a destination to come to Tribeca back in the days. But he was also, uh, you know, people were like, wow, this food is amazing. And you have to go back at a time when, you know, American cuisine was coming to its own. It was Absolutely. getting influenced by French technique and Asian technique. It was right. just beginning. We were past the kind of bullshit part of our, our, our right. culinary history and people would say oh my god I gotta meet the chef Right. and then your dad who's a v- very large man is also would come out in would black out and people kitchen. would just be silent like, yeah exactly um, and completely surprised because they were looking for you know for, for like a, you know, a European guy to come out or right. so, uh, you know a white American to come out and uh, you know that's he's definitely credited with you know pioneering uh, American cuisine, which is uh, you know uh, amazing. I'll throw a curveball at you. So I believe that uh, the chefs of that time that people hold in this regard, and they do hold your father there, but there's like Alice Water. Um, and there's Jeremy Tower and your dad, but I think your dad never quite got the same like uh, reverence right. or uh, heard of until he passed. And I think, and, the, that's yeah. be- and I, I do believe that's because he was black. I think at the time, and I, yeah. I, I, I would agree with you. Right. I, I would agree with you. Uh, I think if you, you know, if you look at now, he's, he's definitely getting the, the unbelievable recognition. You know, and you have to understand. I'm, you know, I was I was a child, so I was just born when he was the when he opened up uh, the Odeon uh, right. with Keith McNally, and uh, and Lynn, mm-hmm. and um, so I was a child, so I didn't really get to understand the whole scope of it, and mm-hmm. the, you know, and but looking back. Uh, you know, I can see that. You know, you look at the Jeremiah Tire, Towers. You look at, you know, the Great Coons. But mm-hmm. uh, within the chef community, there it was unbelievable respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wanted to uh, be tavern on the green uh, yeah, right. and had his own restaurant. Right. Uh, we, yep. Metro. We owned. He owned a restaurant called Metro. Uh, we li- I lived in Los Angeles for a little while. He was executive chef at Beachy for a little while. Mm-hmm. Then we moved to Virginia. That's when he was uh, offered the chef, uh, the executive chef job at the White House under Bill Clinton. Right. Pretty amazing. Uh, 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 actually, turned it down. <laughs> actually, turned it down because he wanted to be his own boss, and you know the government salaries are uh, not that great. Right. Good for and him. Ended up taking uh, the job at the um, at the at the at the, the restaurant was called the Mayflower, I believe, and at the the Lafayette Hotel. So it's right across the park. Oh, that's famous. Yeah, right yeah. across the park. Yeah. Uh, and you know Hillary Clinton would come for lunch all the time, and uh, tons of dignitaries. 
And uh, then uh, we, we left Virginia, and uh, you moved to New York, took over Tavern on the Green. So, uh, and then we can go back another generation. Your grandfather, right, was a chef. Melvin. At, uh, Melvin was I know, a, I know a, a little right? bit less about, I know a little bit less about my grandfather, but he was definitely... Uh, um, uh, worked for the, in the Four Seasons. Worked for, uh, Charlie O. So this is in the Joe in the in the Joe Baum era, uh, where he was a chef and uh, did it extremely well. And that was uh, the you know the, the the inspiration for my father, I think. Right, but it's crazy because if you look at if you were just historically looking at a timeline, your grandfather was in the 30s. Right. Right. Where um, basically there was really no black front of the house, so you right. had to work in the kitchen. Right. So he rises above and becomes this great chef. Right. 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 And then your your dad is basically in the 50s, 60s right. during the civil rights. Yeah, a little bit, la- a little bit later. So he he was right. born in fifty five, I believe. Right. So in the seventies, seventies, eighties, right when right. like the hot, like the the, the the nouvelle cuisine was really right. starting to take off. But against the backdrop of the history of the country, we're going through. Yep. Uh, yeah. The uh, the Watts riots, and right. we're going through. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he grew up against uh, this incredible civil unrest, yep. but still rose above. Yes. Right. Yeah. And now you're here. Yeah, yeah, and now I'm here with tremendous shoes to fill. Tremendous shoes to fill, but again, historically, if you look, we just finished up with the George Floyd thing, and and finally, some justice was served yep, here. Absolutely, but like against, like if you would just look at the historical background of the last three generations, of your family, it's you're you're all on the same track, and you all have the same work ethic, and you're like. Skin color is not mattering. I'm going to put my head down. Absolutely. I'm be the best that I can be. Absolutely. Um, and that's a gift that was a hundred percent. It's a real. It's a, just a, hard work, a testament. So. A testament to my family, and that's where you know I draw my inspiration, my inspiration, mm-hmm. and where I just draw my work ethic from. And, and it's a, you know it's about making sure you put your head down, you get you get your work, you keep your mouth quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, and you learn. You know, and then when it's time to attack, you attack. And when you know, when it's time to you know to make that to make that jump and to move up, you know, you you, you bring everything to the table and you, you leave it out all on the table. But you're definitely fighting a different fight because of your skin color. That's a fact, right? Uh, you know, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And for anyone to say that uh, they're not, uh, it's not true mm-hmm. because you're never not going to be looked at. You know, the appearance is the first thing that people see, and that's mm-hmm. the first judgment that they make. Yeah. You know, and so it's you know, th- you know throughout the course of my life and throughout the course of my career, you know, uh, I've definitely been subject to judgment. You know, immediate judgment, but um, most of the time, uh, fortunately for me, you know, after a little bit of time, or you know, after spending a little bit of time, it's completely the opposite, and most people are either taken by surprise. You know, or uh, are, you know, just very happy. <laughs> yeah, I think um, in light of what's going on, people are finally understanding what it's like. Because I, I, I owe credit a lot of people of every uh, nationality and skin color to come out in absolute um, uh, just repulsed by what happened uh, right. recently. Right. And it's certainly a collective effort from humanity to go like, no, 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 we're done, man. This right. this is not just a black issue. Right. This is an issue about humanity. It's a culture uh, issue. It's a culture it's issue. A, it's a culture issue. And, you know, uh, the, you know, the, it's it's we're very fortunate that, you know, that it feels like the the, the, the tide is changing and people mm-hmm. are becoming more aware. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, you know, as, as a black community, we know that this has been going on for a long time. Long time yeah. It's been going on for a long time. And so there's nothing new. So then, even you know, with you know, if we're talking about current events, the the the, the recent girl who just uh, the 16 year old woman who was shot, hmm. uh, I think in Columbus, Ohio, yeah. you know, and it looked, you know, you know, we don't know all the facts just yet, but you know, from the videos that we've, you know, the preliminary videos that we've seen, uh, it looked like she was very much in the wrong. 
It, mm-hmm. You know, it looked like she was very much in the wrong. Um, but you, we still, every time that you know that there's a, an incident like that where uh, where a black person is shot uh, by the police, we're bringing all of that pain from you know we're bringing all of that pain as a culture to the to that event. So you know, it's 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 from Emmett Till to George Floyd. Sure. <laughs> when we mourn as 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 our species, when we mourn, uh, we mourn for everything that happens in our life. Right, and I think that's what you're you're talking about. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, uh, John Len- Legend has a great song, um, uh, "All of Me," and there's a lyric that says, "My head's underwater, right, but I'm breathing, but I'm breathing fine, fine." Right? Yeah. And I think and I think about that when he sings it, and I think that's what it's like to be uh, maybe black in America. In that, like people go, "What do you mean? There's no there's no systemic racism." Like, right. like Obama was the president. Right. We have all these athletes. Like, no, right. it's a different set of circumstances you deal with every single day. Uh, getting 100%. on the subway, getting in your car, yep. and and um, and there's finally kind of a consciousness about that that I'm happy yep. we're getting it. Have a hell of a long way there's to go. There's definitely a lot. Def- there's definitely yeah. a long way to right. go. You know, you know, if we're, as, as we're tying it to music, I'm reminded of just a lyric from Kendrick Lamar that that says we're we're going to be all right. Yeah, you know, and yeah. that's you know, and I think that's uh, that's you know, inspirational for for myself and for for the community. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, but let's get let's get to now your culinary. What's it like to be <laughs> at the elbow of these generational chefs that informed you and like, how do you end up here? I mean, it's oh boy. Well, you know, <laughs> it's a it's a long you went, story. I mean, you went to CIA it's, and you were, you cooked with John George and Marco Samuelson and uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you the abri- yeah. I'll give you the abridged version. Uh, you know, I mean, the inspiration obviously started at home, and it you know, and funny enough, it started with my mother. My mother uh, is a culinary school graduate as well, and she met my father uh, at Brooklyn Tech. Uh, he was a returning, uh, you know, a returning alumni as a, a guest uh, speaker, and she mm. was a student, <laughs> which is a great, which is a great story. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I, my mother's cooking in the house. My mother's cooking fantastic in the house. My father is, you know, uh, running restaurants. So as I got older, you know, my, you know, I was, I was already cooking from a very young age, nine, right. 10, 11 years old. You know, I'm the oldest of five. So, you know, as I start to get a little bit older, I'm starting to cook for my brothers and sisters. Uh, and um, I would say by the time I was 14, I knew I was gonna. I knew I was gonna go into the profession. So my father passed away when I was about 16. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, I, Tough, I knew yeah. I was going to. Uh, I decided, you know, that this is what I was gonna do. And uh, I, I was able to work at a bunch of different restaurants before I went to, to CIA. So I worked uh, with Michael Lamonico at Windows in the World. Right. I worked with uh, Charlie Trotter in Chicago, and then went to culinary school. Were you conscious of when your father passed about what like his legacy and or you're 16 and you're just so right like, I, I you know in grief you can't get there I mean there's a, a little bit of both because I was there was definitely there's definitely uh, un- tremendous un- unbelievably tremendous amounts of grief mm-hmm. you know um, but I, I definitely I definitely I definitely could recognize I de- definitely recognize by the outpouring you know the outpouring of, of love and support you know that that my father was really able to make his mark on uh, on the culinary scene, on the New York culinary scene, and just uh, the world uh, in, in general, mm-hmm. which you know, which was you know, I was very grateful for. And um, so you know, I he passed away when I was 16. I went to CIA. I did my extern with Marcus at uh, Aquavit, which sure. is which was amazing. Okay. And then I left, and I was able to work. Um, when I graduated, I was able to work with uh, a chef named Mark Filippo, which is another a very close friend of my chef uh, of my father. Mm-hmm. It's actually my sister's godfather, and he's a chef in New York, or he was a chef in New York. He was, uh, you know, the quilted giraffe. Oh yeah, sure. If you go back to the, if you yeah, if yeah, you know sure. your New York King restaurants, Park eventually took over right, the stove. Exactly. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I, you know, yeah. honed some skills in Westchester, working for the Lovanos family from Oceana. Yep. And then uh, I went to Jean Georges, mm-hmm. and I was at Jean Georges for about seven years. 
I left uh, JG. Uh, I worked at JG Proper and, and JoJo on the Upper East Side. There. Yeah, he's a great chef. Uh, uh, I would I'd argue yeah. one, probably one of the best chefs of the of the century. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. I left to work. Uh, I left to go uh, open up a restaurant in uh, Mill Valley for uh, Sammy Hagar and Tyler Florence. Nice. That was a great restaurant. Came back. I did. Uh, so you know that was a steakhouse, which was yeah. a lot of fun. It was it was interesting experience to open up a steakhouse in uh, in you know in Mill Valley, right. in Cal- you know in Northern California like sure that. Northern California beautiful. is beautiful, beautiful oh place. God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Totally, you know, and I, I found a lot of success with the with the New York state of mind, the New York grit, and the New York work ethic, and my work ethic, mm-hmm. my family work ethic in right. California. It was like, come on, let's go, let's yeah. go, 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 go. Yeah. You know, and right. you know, I found that. You know that regional culture to be a little bit laid back, right. um, but I, you know, but I was able to, you know, connect with people, right. and um, you know, get a lot of people to uh, work r- a lot really hard, cool. really hard, and, and we found some success. We're gonna take one sec and talk about. Uh, I always parry drink to somebody. Yep. So today, uh, we're gonna do a uh, a little uh, melon aperitif uh, that T. Edward Wines brings in, and it's a uh, it's made from a melon in Southern Rhone. Uh, called a cavillon. Uh, it's very close to a cantaloupe. It's done with some neutral beet spirit and just kind of macerated. It just brings joy and reminds me of summer. Um, it makes you happy. And, and you're yeah. the kind of guy you walk yeah. in. Anyone who knows you, like, man, when Preston smiles, right. the whole room smiles. Nice. Uh, you have that personality. Thank you. Thank and when you. I think about that, I um, I think about this uh, little artisanal uh uh, melon liqueur from uh, Theodore Wines. I mean, it's like a, it's a perfectly paired drink. Right. It's like s- it's of, like it's summertime in a glass. It's amazing. Bit of soda water. <laughs> uh, it's called melon. It's. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. I mean, that is goddamn yeah, delicious. That's right? delicious. Delicious. Um, what is the first smell you remember? What is it like a smell that you remember? Because the old factory is the most powerful uh, thing that we have in our body that brings us back to some place. What is the first light smell that reminds you of your your home and, and your dad cooking or your family cooking? Oh boy, um, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I remember I remember roast chicken. You know, I you know there was always like a Sunday dinner was always like a, a thing in my house. My father worked. Um, you know, it's, uh, five and a half to six days a week, and so Sunday dinner was always like a big, was a big deal where the family would right. be around, and you know there was always you know some some sort of bird or uh, some sort of fowl that was roasting. Sometimes it was turkey, yeah. um, but uh, roast chicken is, is one of the ones that I remember. And you know, once you, you put the chicken in the oven, you know, 300, 400, 350, 400 degrees, you know, oh, about man, an, an hour, an hour place. later, yeah, an hour <laughs> later, and you know, one of his famous dishes was is a clay pot chicken where you know it was a big clay pot, right. You know, and then we put the vegetables in there, and then we put the garlic in there, and you know, the roast chi- uh, roast chicken with garlic. Yeah. You know, when that's in the oven, and that you know that's going, and it's starting to cook. That's uh, just you know the, uh, that aroma throughout the whole house is yeah definitely one of the, one of the more yeah. memorable ones. There's always smells that remind me of my family or an event or a time. Yeah, hundred percent. And chefs are just built for that anyway. Um, yeah. And that's what I mean. We try to use that to connect to people when we make dishes. I use that uh, all the time as you know for you know like what is where's this what I'm going to make this dish and where does it bring me back to right. and you know and, and why do I want to why do I want to uh, you know prepare it for other people right. so so they can you know have a you know a glimpse into into my experience. Yeah, um, we talked earlier about a little about music and i was uh, telling you that i believe music is embedded in our food in our wine and it's it's everything that connects us and and i didn't you have a, a pretty big 
musical background. I do. I I mean, don't ever, ever (laughs) stop the music. (laughs) Don't ever stop the music. You know, I was, uh, I was very fortunate. I was very fortunate to, to be introduced to music early. You know, it was the Suzuki method on the violin. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so right there, you know, you're playing an instrument, but then you're also learning to play by ear. As I got older, um, you know, I started playing with woodwind. So it was a saxophone. I'm I'm starting to read uh, treble clef. You know, then I moved to uh, the bassoon. I started reading bass clef. You know, I started to dabble in a little, a little bit in the piano, a little bit of voice and like choir and things like that in, in church and then also in high school. Right. And uh, I mean, nowadays, you know, I picked up a guitar. You know, it's actually, this is, this is a great story. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was at uh, Jean George, we didn't get paid too much because we just don't get paid too much when you're an, an initial welcome, line cook. Welcome to the kitchen world, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And so you're just starting out. And so, you know, you couldn't really do too much. So I would go to work and I would come home and I would go to work and come home and I would live very, I lived very far out in Queens, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, you know, on, on like my 23rd or 24th birthday, my mother got me a guitar with like a DVD. And I ended oh. up learning the chords <laughs> on oh, yeah. the guitar because I had nothing. I had no money, <laughs> so I had no place else to go, you know. And then I was just able to pick up another skill and I'm able to, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a total rock star by any means, but you know, I could definitely, I could definitely pick up guitar and hold my own. Yeah. I do rhythm. I do rhythm with you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and but all those horns, you must be a big jazz guy. A uh, big, big time jazz guy. I love, yeah. I love jazz. You know, uh, I love classical music. I love, right. uh, I, you know, I love all music. I mean, and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of uh, a lot of rap and hip hop too. Oh hell and yeah! So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm bumping a lot of. I've been bumping a lot of DMX in the past <laughs> past two yeah, past week. Yeah, 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 I bump a lot of DMX because yeah. that's something that we grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, all music of all kinds. You know, uh, there's, there's the right time. There's the right place. There's a mood if I'm looking for, totally. or if there's a mood that I'm trying to, or a vibe that I'm trying that I'm trying to convey to, to someone. It's uh, it's so important uh, in the restaurant, uh, in my ear, in my in the soundtrack of my life when I'm walking to work, <laughs> or uh, you know, in the car yeah. when I'm on my way to work. It's uh, like I said, don't ever stop the music. <laughs> yeah. so how, how's things going at Lure? You're executive chef at Lure, New York, Miami. Uh, it's one of my favorite restaurants. I've been in too many times. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as you know. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's going great. Yeah, it's going great. COVID you know, kicked everybody's ass, right? Everybody, 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 and that's uh, you know that's. I think that it was. I had a real interesting question. I was doing. Um, I was doing an interview for a, a Zagat article that I was doing, and I, it was a really interesting question. Uh, the, the the journalist asked me, you know, how does it feel uh, because you've cooked through so many different crises. And I never looked at it that way. I was like, what, what does he mean? Like, what crisis did I cook through? But like, you know, there was the, in 2007, I was cooking when there was the, the, the first um, the financial recession, recession yeah. right? There was a Sandy where I was cooking mm-hmm. for, yeah. you know, and then, you know, now with the, with the pandemic. And um, it was just, it was a really interesting point of view. And, uh, you know, it definitely, it definitely hurt and de- it hurt everybody. And it hurt everyone, uh, you know, across the board. It wasn't just like some people got hurt and some people are going to make it. Everyone, everyone's, everyone was hurt. Everything mm-hmm. stopped. Right. You know, and, um, and so, you know, I think I, I think I was all for about two months. I was off. I was off. I was off for two months. I know there's a lot of people that were out of work for. There's some people that were still out of work. Yeah. Now, but you know, but I was fortunate. Yeah. I was off for. I was off for about two months. You know, it was it was a good break. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, from one from a certain so, point of view. So, so, what did you do for your two months? What did you do? Oh, I, I cooked at home. Yeah. I cooked at home. I spent time with my son. I spent time with my girlfriend. I was on the phone with my family. Lots of Zoom calls. Yeah. 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 Um. And then, uh, and then, you know, we got the call and it was time to go back to work. Oh. And we, you know, we started cooking, you know, beyond burgers for the, for the frontline workers and cool. we were doing takeout and we were doing to go and, you know, just really making sure we were really taking care of the, of, of lore and, you know, making sure that we were still out there and everyone knew that we were out there. I have to tell you, if you're in the trenches of this war, this COVID war that we're all through and you're working on a skeleton crew, 
like you guys are and many uh, restaurants are. Uh, I think you want a chef like you. Uh, I th- <laughs> who can work the grill, who can do the saute, who can cut right. fish, who uh, can like, do it all. Uh, right? uh, uh, I, right. I, th- I would think so. Yeah. You know, and I think that... Um, you know, this this ties back a little bit back into what we were talking about about being a chef of color. Where I feel like I, you know, at least in my very humble experience, I've been able to, you know, attain and hone a, a tremendous amount of skills. Right. Where you know, it's it could almost be a one stop show. Where you know, it's you know, you can handle the interpersonal communication with the crew. You can handle the creativeness of the dishes and what you're going to put out in the you know in the menu for the for the world to eat. And then on the back end, be able to handle the business and the spreadsheets and the PLs and the finances and being able to you know turn a profit for the you know for the business hmm. i have a good friend who is a, a chef in new york and um <laughs> it's a really kind of odd story but uh he was working for uh is lafayette so they do like 400 500 covers you know mm-hmm. on, a, on a given day and he was hiring um uh kids out of cia right and he actually said this to me as fucked up as it sounds, he said, um, I stopped hiring white people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, and I said, what? He goes, he goes, John, man, they come out of CIA and they all want to be fucking Bobby Flay. Yeah. And he said, and he, and, and JP's like yourself. Right. Um, he's an old school chef. His parents were in the restaurant business. Right. He was uh, at a really young age, was going to the Fulton Fish Market at four o'clock in the morning yep. to haggle with fish guys to get the best price and right. find the freshest fish right um he's genius he's an amazing chef um, right. in his own right and um so he's has that background 80 hours of work that's right. what you do when you are a chef and when you're in a, in, in a kitchen bourdain has written right volumes about this right and he said uh i would get a call on a friday night yeah and some go yeah hey i can't come into work uh my parents rented a ski house right and he go i'm sorry what i'm, I'm missing something what what's oh that to do with it? i can't come in then he's like i mean uh we have fucking 500 covers on the books tonight yeah you're coming in or you don't have a job and they go yeah, yeah that's yeah, okay yeah and he I said i mean he goes i stopped yeah. he goes I, I won't hire like cia yeah. so I, like, I mean i, no can, way. I goes, can't even imagine right and he's that's the <laughs> like I'm telling you, the american dream has shifted a bit yeah um, it's tough you know i think that you know i think that particularly you know if you look at you know when 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 cooking and culinary really started to go mainstream you know via the, the you know the food network and there was a lot more exposure you know, I think that, you know, there's a lot of people that were, I don't want to say necessarily misled, but they just, you know, were, you know, had these expectations and these ideas of like really what the industry is. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, I think that they were just completely wrong. Yeah. You know, and they couldn't have been more wrong. You know, it's almost like they got a glimpse of like what the glory it, what the glory is you know without you know without the hard work and you know you, you know even even if you and even if you get there if you you know if you get the glory without doing the hard work there's still going to be, be there's still going to be people who who know that right. you didn't put in that hard work and yeah. you know and and people can tell right away sure <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you know, right? A hundred percent. Like, uh, like and, you in know, two minutes. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think yeah. that's, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the inspirations for myself is I, you know, I always want to make sure that, you know, my peers knew that, you know, that I definitely put in the, the work, you know, and, you know, and had the experience and, and was definitely in the grind. And it wasn't just like, oh, you know, you're Patrick's son, so you just got the pass and you, and it's very, it's very important. Right. I agree. I saw I had uh, Mark Forgio 
and his dad's Larry Forgio, similar. Yep. Right, and he said the same thing. Yep. He's like, man, it was it was almost worse because they're like, oh, you're it's fucking Larry's like, kid. Exactly. Like, fuck you. Hundred percent. Oh, you got this job because of this. Yep. And you know, Mark worked his ass off uh, in work, kitchens it, under Laurent Tourndale. Laurent, Laurent, right? And he put in the hours, and that's the thing. Like, like a lot of these kids go to see. I don't understand what my buddy JP is talking about. What right. we're talking about is like, and and Anthony Bourdain talked about Atlanta. Like for now, and particularly with the price of an education to go to culinary school, like you come out, you work. 80 hours a week yeah. you get shit pay right um you bust your fucking ass uh, big time. you do this because this is a calling and this is a passion yep if you're in this to be the, the next right. whoever right. todd english right fuck you that's like point zero 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 one percent right okay it doesn't have uh, it doesn't it, and I even mean, then like bobby flight worked his ass off yeah i mean a hundred percent and you know there's 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 many avenues to success you know, I would definitely say that. You know, and so I'm, I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna hate on anybody, hate on anybody for any, you know, for the mm-hmm. success that they that they've that they've gotten. You know, it, it, there's definitely work to be done, but people understand and people know, and you're and you'll be judged accordingly. Mm-hmm. What What do you think? Um, what do you think? Did COVID change the way we're going to be looking at dining in the next couple of years? Or absolutely, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, everyone is much more aware of their surroundings. Their, you know, the person next to them is coughing. Everyone's much much more aware. It's almost like everyone is a germaphobe, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, and and that that translates into restaurants also. Mm-hmm. And you know, people want to make sure they're going to restaurants that are that are clean, that are following their the sanitation practices. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think that. Uh, um, People are very happy to be able to go back out to eat, though. Yeah. People have been missing that, and it's amazing. And I'm happy that P- I'm, I'm, we're able to be there mm-hmm. to, to be able to serve those people yeah. um, because it's you know the, the, I love to be able to just provide joy to people, and you know we you're able to you know see if you did a good job right away because the second that you, someone puts something in their mouth, you know right away. Right. <laughs> you know what you know. It's immediate response. It's immediate yeah. response. Yeah. You know, versus having to work on a project for six months or eight months, and then you know, and then you know, waiting yeah. for the review, and then seeing what happens, and then getting the final review, and then it's right. like, oh, great, we did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> like we know, we know immediately, and so I think you know, people have been really been yearning to come, to go back to restaurants, and you know, I think that there was a sentiment that New York was not going to come back, or New York New York's going to come wasn't going to come back for a couple years, and uh, I don't think that's the case. I think yeah. it's it's happening almost immediately. I you know, doubted it. Lower, um, Laura's packed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I doubted it a while ago. I, I, uh, Pack, just, packed at 50%. Packed at 50%. Packed at yeah. 50%. And then we have, you know, beautiful outdoor, we have the beautiful outdoor space. Yeah. I have, and friend, so, I have friends in Portland. Uh, I have friends who moved from New York to Portland. And I have other friends around the country. And yeah, Portland's just a wreck still. Uh, San Francisco's still a wreck. And I right. said, here's the difference in New York City. Uh, I live over in Brooklyn, Atlantic Avenue, this Long Island College Park. Right. They don't even pretend like they have heaters. Right. There's no heaters. Right. And there's like 10 tables outside. It's 30 degrees. You're on the water. The wind is whipping. And there are people out there drinking out there cold eating. beer and cocktails. Yeah. That's New York. Right. Wrapped, New up, wrapped like, up in yeah. scarves and hats and gloves. New and they're still out there. New like, different breed. Yeah, 100%. And I can see it now. Foot traffic's back. You can't get a decent reservation at, a, at, a, at a, a, like you can't get a reservation at a decent restaurant uh, without knowing somebody during these uh, at fifty percent. Right, right. I mean, it's packed. People are coming back. Yeah. Um, we miss our tribe. We yeah. New York, they need. We need uh, the friction of human beings. Yeah. One hundred percent. Interpersonal communication. Yeah. We, we need it absolutely. <laughs> um, so what, what's give us a couple of the under the radar restaurants that you'd like to attend if they're open. Let's pretend COVID never happened, or that will be open that you love to eat at. Uh, that I've gone to, or that I need to, that I need to go to. Both. What's what's one you go to? Like you, you oh, oh shit! I'm gonna bust out early. I'm gonna go grab it. 
right something here so people listening go oh I, right this is a place i need to check out um my, i got a my i got a great buddy we worked on the line his name is james kent he's he opened he opened up crown shy oh yeah and uh that that's that's a he's kicking ass that's a great restaurant down 70 pine. yeah yep. down 70 pine yep. you got the yurts yep Very uh, cool. i need to go to uh, milos i haven't been to milos yet oh i've been to milos um, okay i'd like to circle back and go to go to jg uh, I took my yep. girlfriend there a couple of years ago for for uh, her birthday, but I love to circle back and go there. Yeah, that's a pretty spectacular place. You know, um, um, let's see. I, I had brunch uh, last week at the Mermaid Inn, which was a fantastic. Uh, very cool. It was fantastic. Cool. Um, What's your favorite? Yeah. Well, you, you're a, a sushi chef, mostly yeah. at Lure. Yeah, yeah. Do, favorite doing, sushi place? Sushi. Why you're not eating at Lure? Or do you have enough? You're done. Uh, I, you, you know, I, I, I've, always, I've always loved Se- Seki. Sushi Seki's been my, uh, been my, my go-to guy. Um, okay. Seki and then all, Blue Ribbon Sushi on, on Sullivan Street. It's not. It's pretty close. Very good. Yeah, Blue Ribbon. Uh, Blue Ribbon's fantastic. Yeah, those guys are great. Yep. I, I mean, like the uh, 97 Sullivan Street, just the old school it's brasserie. It's just great. Um, uh, <laughs> it's so great. It's like, yeah, and it's like a little bit of history. I was just at Keen's Steakhouse. Nice. Talk about historic like yeah. places. Uh, yep. that that are that are open you're like you feel like it's it's new york mm-hmm. um i do miss just kind of rolling into a bar having a drink and having uh, some 100 100 uh, <laughs> definitely miss my local watering hole yeah um so what's what's going to be in your future culinary wise uh, are you going to continue on this track or are you um I'm, de- I'm definitely i'm definitely continuing on this track i'm not you know i'm i'm new, i like to i'm a new york guy so i don't really stay in new york. i'm going to stay in new york for a little while mm-hmm. you know um we're going to uh reopen lower miami Oh, cool. And so uh, we're going to be doing that uh, pretty soon. And then uh, Lore Chicago is on the horizon. Oh, no way. Yeah, okay. so we're going to be looking at that. And then uh, who knows after that. But, uh, you know, I like to focus on the present. So I'm really going to just keep my head down and just make sure we make these restaurants the best that they can be. We're at that time in the show where I like to ask people, all right, so, um, you know, you can you can sit down with three people, living or dead, um, and have dinner with them. Right, mm-hmm. and then then you'll be taken off into a spaceship, and you'll be leaving yourself. So, what? Who are the people? What are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you listening to? So let's start with who would you be sitting with? Uh, I'd love to have another conversation with my father. Okay. Um, you know, I know that's a little cliche, but I think no, you know, right at six, at sixteen years old, I there's a lot of more information that I would have I would have loved to to just just to understand i mean he passed away he was 42 um i'm gonna i'm getting ready to be 40 so crazy you know it's, yeah, it's wild yeah. <laughs> and I, I would love to there's just a little bit more you know as a, as, a, as a grown man later in life i would love to know some of his perspectives on some of those things mm-hmm. if you're gonna pick two other people to be at the table with you um that's a that's a great question uh just chefs or whatever man anybody huh? miles davis could be yeah there. It's not a bad one. <laughs> it's not, that's not a bad one. Could be Vincent Price. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, who else would I would love to sit at the table with? Um, you know, I like I like uh, music. I wouldn't mind sitting with Mozart. That'd be cool. Is that kind of weird? That's no, kind of weird. That's that's kind of, that's I wouldn't, mind, totally I wouldn't mind sitting with Mozart. Oh just God, to, yes. you know, just to kind of, because I think, you know, so a lot of times when, you know, especially when I'm at a high level, I, I, I operate at a pretty high level. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's uh, sometimes that music is very soothing for me. I love it. And I would love to, I would love to kind of, you know, with my music background, I would just kind of love to, you know, di- kind of dive into it, you know, from my perspective. That'd be and totally cool. and uh, and just trying to you know see what you know see what kind of inspiration I would find there. Okay, and so, so we're now with my father Mozart. Your father Mozart, <laughs> you. We can leave it there unless you want to throw somebody else in. Um, <laughs> uh, Malcolm X. 
Wow. Malcolm X. That that would be very cool. That's yeah. a good dinner. Yeah, so it's, it's, yeah. it's an interesting dinner. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Malcolm X. That's another. I draw a lot of good inspiration. A lot of inspiration from him, and I would, you know, I'd love, to, I'd love to pick his brain on a whole host of issues. Yeah. Just that, you know, from that perspective, and you know, from you know, from the, the history that I know about his life. Yeah. Sure. So those are three people. You know, there's a whole. I could probably, I could probably sit here all night and yeah. think, no, like, that, <laughs> think that, of exactly. three different three tops. Okay. So if I could pack a hundred seat restaurant with three tops okay. of all people <laughs> living in <and> dead. <laughs> that's a, that'd be a really good. That's a better question. Okay, you have a small restaurant. Right. It seats thirty people. Right. Give me every three right. top every three in the people, restaurant tonight. Right. Yeah. Three and right. Five uh, minutes yeah. at each. I touch every table yeah. for five minutes yeah, and get all great. the information that I that'd need. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, what are you eating? Oh, we're eating. We're eating. Oh, oh, wow. We're. Well, I mean, we'll probably we'll, we'll start. We start with caviar service. Okay. Uh, we we'll start with caviar service, um, and then we're going to something raw, some sort okay. of a crudo dish, hamachi, yep. okay, green apple, uh-huh. jalapeno, pickled mustard seeds. Duh, I love it. I love this drilling down, baby. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> um, you know, let's see. You know, after that, a salad, some sort of a salad course, okay. butter lettuce. Okay. Carrot, ginger, vinaigrette. After that, I don't know. Maybe maybe a pasta. Yeah. <laughs> maybe okay. a, maybe a pasta. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a pasta. Right. Uh, right. Then we'll go, we'll go uh, bronzino. <laughs> right. Some sort of a game, either squab okay. or rabbit, and okay. then into the meat course. Okay. All right. Mozart just passed out. <laughs> yeah. Just so you know. Uh, <laughs> what are you? And what are you uh, drinking? And then what are you listening to? So drinking. Ooh, what are we drinking? White Burgundy. Okay, nice. White Burgundy. Okay. And we are listening to... Yeah, lights are going down. Yeah, lights are going down. I mean, at this time, we're, you know, we're going to bring everybody into the modern age. Maybe Drake. Okay, song. <laughs> Gotta give me a song. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Zero to a hundred, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so I would get slarted if I did not uh, give you time to mention the scholarship. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. It's a Patrick, it's a Patrick Clark uh, uh, Scholarship Foundation. You, you find it uh, in on um, Brooklyn Tech, Brooklyn Tech website. Um, uh, well, I can direct you there. It goes through uh, the, the Brooklyn Tech, which is my father's alma mater, my mother's alma mater, also, and uh, they have a scholarship there. Um, uh, in the name of Patrick Clark, and uh, it just uh, helps kids going to culinary school. That's awesome. Yeah, I that's love great. that. That's a, quite a legacy. Uh, and how about you personally? Should they look you up on Instagram? Or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chef Preston Clark. I'm okay. definitely on. I'm definitely on the gram. Uh, you find me uh, at the restaurant. I'm usually at the Lore. Uh, everybody knows me. Just you can send me a text. Um, but you definitely find me at the restaurant. <laughs> you definitely find me at the restaurant. Uh, Preston, I want to thank you for uh, many times coming out when I'm at the restaurant to, just to light up the room and yeah, give all that the smile and that amazing food. And I want to thank you for being on DOTJ Podcast. Oh, listen, I can't, I can't thank you enough. And I want to thank you again for uh, your help with uh, the tribute dinner that we did for my father because you guys definitely sponsored all the wines that we did for that tribute dinner in Brooklyn. It was really amazing, and I can't thank you enough. Yeah, it's T. Edward. Yeah. Generous, generous. Yeah, company. generous, and it was uh, and it was yeah. great to be here with you. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Bye. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Who else like this? They ain't made me what I am. They just found me like this. I were ready. Fuck that, I've been ready since my dad used to tell me he was coming